Hello and welcome to the Estate Planners Podcast. My name is Anthony Brinkman and this is a podcast for will writers, estate planners and solicitors that are interested in learning the tips, tools and technicalities to best help their clients. As this is the first episode, I'm going to dive into what I observe to be the most common mistake that estate planners make. At the end of the episode, for anybody that's interested, I will tell you a little bit more about me and the future intentions for this podcast, as well as some of the topics that I have lined up. But for now, let's get straight into the content of episode one, the most common mistake. Jumping straight to the punchline, the most common mistake that I observe estate planners making is to give advice and to answer client questions far too early in the estate planning process. At first glance, this might not seem like such a big deal, but it can actually completely wreck an appointment depending on what questions you're answering or what advice you are giving. Let me give you an example. You've been introduced to Mr. Bloggs by one of your existing clients and you have booked an appointment to go out and see him at his home. You turn up, you stroke the dog and you accept the cup of tea and you sit down at the kitchen table and you ask a nice open question such as, what is it that you're looking to achieve today? To which Mr. Bloggs says that he would like to make a will. We'll be exploring this appointment structure, by the way, and appropriate ways of moving an appointment forward. And as you will discover in future episodes, this isn't really the answer that you're looking for. I want to make a will. So you dig a little bit deeper to find out why he wants to make a will. Mr. Bloggs explains that he wants to leave his estate to his two nephews and his two nieces. But one of those nieces has a medical condition which means that she will never be able to work and she is in receipt of benefits. He doesn't want to jeopardise those means-tested benefits by leaving her a lump sum of money and he asks whether something could be done about that. So let's just freeze-frame the appointment there. You're quite likely to want to say, well, yes, actually, good news, Mr. Bloggs. There, There is something that you can do about it. We can include a vulnerable person's trust in the will and the way that that works is that and off you go into the realms of both answering questions and giving advice too early. At this point, you don't yet have any grasp of Mr. Bloggs's family structure or his assets or even his marital status. You don't even necessarily know his full name. But why is this a problem? Surely the vulnerable person's trust is going to be the solution for him. Well, yes, it, chances are it will be. And if you go ahead and explain the vulnerable person's trust now, he may well say, oh, that's fantastic. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Let's go ahead and do that. But if he would say that now, then he would also say it later in the appointment too, wouldn't he? And what if the vulnerable person's trust actually isn't the right solution? Well, now, of course, you've got a problem. You've presented something that sounds great to Mr. Bloggs, But if you establish some element of this situation, or perhaps the niece's situation, that makes the vulnerable person's trust the wrong solution, 
then at best, you're going to have just wasted some time. And at worst, actually, you'll upset Mr. Bloggs or you'll confuse him and potentially lose the opportunity to help him at all. Answering questions and giving advice too early weakens your ultimate presentation of solutions. Think about your job as an estate planner, like going on a journey. Your client has a goal that they're trying to achieve with their assets. That's the journey's destination. And you need to program that into your sat-nav. Once you've got the destination and the relevant factors that are relevant, in other words, to planning the route, such as family structure, the assets that are owned, and all the other relevant pieces of the client's situation, well, then you can decide which roads to take, which roadblocks and known traffic jams to avoid, and you can come up with the most effective plan. Your client asking you how to avoid the roadworks at junction three on the M25 might be a complete irrelevance, especially if the solution is to catch the train. You have the same thing with estate planning. With too little information to hand, you can give the wrong advice, you can waste yours and the client's time, you can confuse your client and even confuse yourself sometimes. You can find yourself having to backpedal later in the appointment to correct what you've said too early. And this can have the added effect of detracting from your authority or could diminish the client's confidence in you and your advice. Let's look at a few examples and then we can take a look at when the right time is to give advice and when the right time is to answer questions and how to field those questions that shouldn't be answered at earlier stages of the appointment. Suppose you're working your way through your fact find and again we'll take a, a very close look at fact finds and instruction forms in later episodes but for now let me just be really clear about one thing your fact find is not your instruction forms. Your fact find is exactly that it's a form you use to find out facts about the client. Instruction forms are the record of your client's intentions for their wills, trusts, lasting powers of attorney or whatever other services that you're going to be providing for them. So you're working your way through your fact find with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, collecting information about the assets that they own. They own a house and you ask whether the house is owned as joint tenants or tenants in common and of course, the clients look at each other, they shrug, and they ask you what you mean. A long, drawn-out and thorough explanation of this concept at this stage of the appointment is actually a bit too early. You need to field the question so that your client knows it will be addressed, but you don't want to risk confusing matters at this point. A thorough explanation may or may not be necessary at all, so just don't risk it at this point. Another example, I'm sure we've all had this one, the client says that they don't need to make LPAs as they have appointed their son and daughter as executors in their wills. Now, obviously, this is a misunderstanding that they have and you'll be tempted to advise them of the difference. But look, don't do it. It's still too early. Not until you've reached the right point in the meeting. Here's another one. The clients want to know if their estate will be liable for inheritance tax. They've told you the approximate value of the estate, and on first glance, it looks like the estate would be liable for tax. But so many features could change that from a yes to a no, potentially back to a yes and even back to a no again. You could end up looking rather foolish if you were to answer that question too soon. The desire to give advice early or to answer questions early 
it often comes from a desire to help the client and to some degree to appear helpful and to appear knowledgeable. But the opposite can happen if you fall foul of this mistake. You can end up not able to help the client and you can end up looking a bit foolish. So how do you deal with those questions? How do you handle those misconceptions or the false data that the client has? Well, the general rule of thumb here is to, to acknowledge the question, acknowledge the subject matter where you might otherwise be tempted to give advice, acknowledge it, make a note of it, let the client know that you will return to that point a little later and then simply carry on. Don't miss that last bit. You must continue to the next bit of your appointment, whether that's the next question on your fact find or getting an unanswered question answered. So you acknowledge that the client has asked you a question or asked for advice or that there is some piece of advice that you need to give them, but that you will go back to it later and then simply carry on. So let's go back to Mr. Bloggs and his vulnerable niece. He's asked you whether anything could be done to ensure that her means-tested benefits are not jeopardized by him gifting her some of his estate. So here's how you might answer that at that moment in time. Well, yes, there probably is, Mr. Bloggs. Uh, actually very thoughtful of you to consider that on her behalf and to be, to be looking for a solution to that. And once I've got a good understanding of your situation and all of your intentions, then I'll be able to advise about the right solution. So can you see how that, it handles his question at that point in time and it puts you in a much stronger position and probably gives you, the client, far greater confidence in you than if you simply launch into explaining what a vulnerable person's trust is. And, you know, you, you've, you've actually hardly said anything in that response, have you? You haven't said much there, but you've, number one, acknowledged him. So he knows he's been heard. He knows that you'll address that at some point. And then you've just got to ca carry on, carry on to the next question. In that example, it was asking Mr. Bloggs why he wanted to see you today, what it was he wanted to achieve. He'd then ask you for some advice. So you would then go back to asking, well, what else is it that you're wanting to achieve today? Is there anything else that you want to uh, cover off? What about Mr. and Mrs. Smith and their joint tenants slash tenants in common house when they ask you what that means? Here's how you might respond to that. Well, in short, there's two ways that you can own a house together. If you're not familiar with that concept, then Chances are you will own it jointly. However, this may or may not be necessary to establish at this time. If it is important to the solutions for your wills, then we will take a look at that a little bit later and I'll explain more about it. So you certainly don't want to ignore the matter completely. You don't want to leave them in a mystery about this new concept that you've suddenly presented to them. So with this example here, you can see that you've put their mind at rest to some degree without getting into a concept that can take a while to explain and can leave some people a little bit worried if the explanation isn't quite fully understood. What about the clients who doesn't think that they, or the clients that don't think that they need to make lasting powers of attorney as they've appointed executors in their wills? Well, here's how you could respond to that one. Okay, well, it's good to hear that you've made your wills. That's excellent. It's a very responsible step. Uh, we can take a closer look at those a little later once I've understood a little bit more about you. And we can perhaps establish whether your appointed executors have as much power as they will need to help you properly in the future. 
Uh, but first, let's keep going with this fact find. So you don't want your clients to feel stupid, do you? You know, that they have got a misunderstanding about something there, and it's kind of an, an understandable misunderstanding. But you don't want to make them feel stupid. And depending on your client's character, pointing out their error in the early stages of an appointment can have the effect of making the client dig their heels in to make themselves right by making you wrong. And I'm sure you will have had the experience of trying to enlighten somebody on a fact that you're very confident about. And despite presenting the person with the most ironclad evidence, they still continue, continue to assert their rightness about some misconception that they have. There are ways to help a person to identify false data that they have so that they can come to their own conclusions and achieve a greater certainty. And we'll be picking up on that point in a future episode. But finally, let's have a look at the clients that asked you about whether or not they had an inheritance tax problem. Here's how you could respond to that. Well, to be perfectly honest, it's a little bit too early for me to establish that one way or the other. But let me make a note so that I remember to come back to it shortly when I've understood a bit more about your situation. You see how you're addressing these questions politely, you're making sure that the client is has not got their attention hung up on this unanswered question because you're going to come back to it later on. And then, of course, you do have to come back to it later on. So to summarise then, answering client questions and giving advice too early can lead you and can lead the client down some blind alleyways and into some confusing territory. It decreases the efficiency of your appointment, it adds time and unnecessary complexity. And the handling is to acknowledge the client's question, resist the temptation to give advice too early, until you have completed the fact-finding process. Then, and only then, you return to those questions, you answer those now armed with the information that you need about the client to make those answers and that advice relevant to them. You can see how in the early stages of an appointment, before you fully understood all of their family circumstances, their assets, etc., you would have to explain products and give any advice that you give in a very generic fashion. You couldn't personalize it very easily to that client until you fully understood them. Once you have understood them, great. At that point, you can, you can talk about not just, let's say it's to do with powers of attorney, you're not just talking generically about what that means to have a power of attorney. You can talk about the fact that your son and your daughter, Jimmy and Jenny Smith, are the ones who would be appointed, presumably, in your lasting powers of attorney. Yes, they would. I would want them to act on my behalf. Great. So now you're talking about Jimmy and Jenny Smith, you see. You're not talking generically about the powers that an LPA gives. That makes it a lot more personal. It makes it more real to the client. And that's a distinct factor in the quality and efficiency of your appointments. So I hope you found that useful. It's the most common mistake that I observe estate planners making. I'm going to return to that, I'm sure, again and again uh, in various future episodes and from different viewpoints, different angles. 
As I mentioned at the beginning, you can continue listening if you want to know a little bit more about me and about the future intentions for this podcast. If not, then feel free to stop here and I shall look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. So my name's Anthony Brinkman. I started in the will writing and estate planning industry back in 1999. At the time of this recording, uh, in addition to running my own estate planning company, I also hold the position of chairman of the Professional Standards Board with the Society of Will Writers and Estate Planning Practitioners. I'm the regional chair for the society uh, in the Northwest, and I'm a tutor at the College of Will Writing in Lincoln. I've been very fortunate to have great staff in my company that take care of a lot of the day-to-day activities and that allows me to spend time researching and developing training programs and materials that I feel can help not only my own staff and consultants but other estate planners too. I've been asked the question why I do that, effectively helping the competition, but I believe that the services we provide are extremely important and if there's anything that I can do to help more people put their affairs in order and reduce the stresses and upsets that can occur for the lack of those services, then I feel that I should. Plus, it's a pretty commonly held understanding that the majority of people still don't have up-to-date wills in place, so there is plenty of business out there for everybody. As for this podcast, I'm currently expecting to release a new podcast every month. If I can stretch that to Every two weeks, then I will do so, but uh, it's early days and it's a new activity for me. So I may find that putting together notes and recordings and editing gets more efficient. We'll see. I can share with you some of the upcoming topics, uh, some of the titles that I have planned for the next nine podcasts are as follows. We've got the fact find, your appointment structure. Banks versus Goodfellow, making the most of attestations, client follow-up, animus testandi, which means testamentary capacity, for any of you that are unfamiliar with that term, knowledge and approval of the will, undue influence, and advanced decisions. Inevitably, following that, we'll explore some particularly key cases We will delve into the subject of lasting powers of attorney and trusts, will trusts, legacies, funeral directions, executors, probate. There's plenty for us to discuss and I'm very much looking forward to spending some time putting those materials together and sharing them with you. So again, I hope you found this useful. Thank you very much for listening and I shall speak to you again in the next episode.